Welcome to Stacking M's, the podcast where we talk about marketing, money, and mindset because stacking millions won't happen without a consistent focus on those things. My name is Tara Payton. I'm a marketing expert and coaching consultant who spent 14 years working with major corporations and Fortune 500 companies, helping them with their marketing to make them millions. So this podcast is a place for me to help product-based and consumer business owners like you learn how to optimize your marketing to make more, learn how to leverage your money, and how to invest to grow your business. Also, we're talking about how to make sure your mindset is always elevating so you can actually enjoy this ride. Turn up the volume, prepare to take some notes, and get ready to really stack those M's. Welcome back to another episode of Stacking M's. I'm so glad that you are joining us. We have a special guest. And before I introduce her, as you know, we focus here on marketing, money, and mindset. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm Sarah Payton, marketing consultant and business coach. And today, I have one of my very best girlfriends here with me, Karina. Um, she is one of the absolute best marketers that I know. And we actually met in business school, ooh, I don't even want to say how many years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you okay. don't need to tell people <laughs> and, and let me clarify when I say business school. I'm not talking about any online program. I'm talking about Darden. We actually attended Darden at the University of Virginia, where we got our MBAs. So... I'm going to just dive in here and ask you, why did you decide to go to business school, Karina? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I'll take you back and I'll tell you what my kind of background was. So before I went to business school, as you know, mm-hmm. I was actually a mental health therapist. Um, and I mean, like I was all in. Mm-hmm. I, I had a, a master's in, in clinical social work. I did a three-year postgrad degree and. Um, psychodynamic thinking and Freudian thinking and attachment theory. So it was like some serious sit on my couch, tell me about your dreams and your mom. Kind of like how we are right now. Mm -hmm. A little bit like that. Well, actually, I will say as we fast forward, that's actually, I think, one of the things that allows me to really understand marketing and understand the consumer and work in teams because there's Mm. just a lot of like reading people and knowing people and understanding what motivates them and what influences them because at the end of the day, that's really what marketing is. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so I was pretty deep in this career. I was about 10 years in and um, there were a couple of things that went into play. One, I was like working towards a specific license um, to do private practice and some of the rules changed, some of the laws changed in New York for like the licensing laws. And at the same time, I was getting, I had just gotten married and I was thinking a lot about like the future and like earning potential. Um, And I had started taking on some kind of like marketing type projects at the place where I was working because it was, um, although I was focused on like the um, clinical work Mm -hmm. with my clients, it was also a place where we got to wear a lot of hats. So all of those things combined made me decide that I needed to try something new. And um, I decided in a very unexpected turn of events, I decided to get an MBA. And mm. uh, honestly, I didn't really know what to expect out of that experience. And I kind of was just going with the flow, but um, it ended up being one of the best decisions that I made. And marketing just ended up being a really good fit for for me and my interests and the way that like I naturally flow and like to think. Mm-hmm. So when you got to Darden, did you know you wanted to focus on marketing? 
Girl, when I got to Darden, I couldn't believe I was at Darden. I know. I had the same experience. I was like, damn, I'm in business school? Like, this is different. I was like, who told these people to let me in? Exactly. So I spent the better half of, like, the first couple of months, like, dealing with my imposter syndrome and, like, Mm -hmm. what am I doing here? Um, But then, yeah, then it, like, very naturally lends itself to, like, marketing and kind of consumer insights um and the kind of just consumer packaged goods space Mm -hmm. it was just something that really naturally lends itself to like understanding how people think um and it just i i was naturally very drawn there so Mm -hmm. it totally made sense for me i don't know why but maybe because of where we are right remember the um, national black nba conference Mm -hmm. we went to that was a fun time (laughs) and on many levels that was like Eight weeks into business school, which was right. crazy. Right. It was, okay, so we started business school. We were also a part of a program called the Consortium for Business mm-hmm. Management. I'm messing it up, but we were in the consortium. Um, shout out to the consortium. And a part of that program was eight weeks into business school. They usher you off to this conference. Or did that happen before school started? That happened in June. That happened before Oh, that actually happened before. So I'm talking about national. Okay, I'm mixing it up. Okay, so consortium started before we even started business school. And what the consortium does is they bring you there for this conference. There are recruiters there that are willing to give you jobs before you even step foot on the college campus to get your MBA. So that was amazing. Right, it's awesome. But I remember that time, like, me and Karina were like, what the hell are we doing? Like, we didn't know. We used that time to explore, right? Mm -hmm. We both knew. I knew I was going there for marketing. I think Karina had a vague idea that she was going there for marketing. But fast forward to eight weeks into business school, we were at National Black MBA. And I remember we were interviewing with companies for marketing roles. And we were roommates, right? And what were you thinking at the time? I want you to tell the people. Because I remember what you were thinking. Honestly, like, I just remember it being a, it was just such a whirlwind. Like, here I am, like, just a few weeks before, Mm -hmm. I was a practicing therapist. And next thing I know, I'm in Atlanta, because actually it was in Atlanta. I'm in Atlanta getting ready to interview with some of the top, like, brands Mm -hmm. for roles it was a trip I I honestly couldn't believe that I was there um or what I was doing Mm -hmm. there um and I mean it was just eight weeks into the experience so Mm -hmm. I I was just kind of like rolling with the punches not quite sure really what to make of the whole experience Mm -hmm. it was it was pretty jarring now that we think back on it it was and we were both nervous as hell because we were interviewing with these companies we had barely taken any courses at this point but now thinking back on it i understand why these companies were so willing to give us jobs because they knew that the education we were going to get while we were getting our mba Mm -hmm. was really going to set us up for success to be successful in those internships and more so long term right so who did you wind up um, working with after business school? I ended up um, going to Colgate-Palmolive after mm-hmm. business school, which interestingly enough, out of that national MBA con- um, conference, eight weeks into business school, I interviewed for an internship, got the internship, moved forward with the internship, did really well, and mm-hmm. then was offered a full-time role, and that's where I joined after business school. So. Mm-hmm. 
um, really like the traditional recruiting process um, mm. is one that I was able to kind of like skip over, um, which I'm very thankful for. And it turned out to just be like a really great fit for me. So what were some of the things, the brands that you were responsible for while there? What were some of the projects that you worked on? Yeah. Um, so while at Colgate, um, I started my experience there. I remember my internship was on Fabuloso, which is in a home cleaning brand, which is actually mm-hmm. near and dear to my heart because I'm Dominican and Fabuloso reminds me of Saturday mornings, mm. um, music blaring while my mom is cleaning. Um, but Colgate really makes some of the best brands. So I was able to work on like Colgate Max Fresh, Colgate Optic White, Colgate Total Mouthwash. I was in charge of the um, Colgate Kids portfolio and kind mm. of like the licensing um, portfolio, which was really cool. I got to really immerse myself into like the mind of a five-year-old and, and what mm. are the new upcoming brands and how can we better appeal to kids and their moms and address some of the underlying challenges. Um, um, and yeah, I mean, the opportunity to go into marketing, learning from one of the best um, companies in the world and mm-hmm. who's just very um, experienced and skilled and had a very structured way of teaching. It was um, an invaluable experience. What was your least favorite part about the marketing role at Colgate? Um, or your least favorite category, or you could tell us both. Mm. That is so interesting. Um, you know, it's re- it's really funny because um, part of my role working um, in what these in these brand management roles, um, there is an element of like the brand and the marketing, mm-hmm. um, but there's also like an operational element where you serve as like what they call the center of the wheel, and you're kind of like acting like a mini CEO of the brand. Mm-hmm. So you have responsibility over um, the marketing and the brand, but you also have responsibility over the finance and the supply chain and operations and demand management. So I was able to kind of get a 360 view of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so interesting because the things that I found least, um, appealed to me were, um, some of the, um, softer creative things. Like for example, do you remember, I feel like I remember saying this to you over the <laughs> summer after the my thing. internship. Uh-huh. It was like, I remember sitting during my internship work. I remember my internship project was a project on Fabulosa. And we, I had to like launch some innovation for the brand. And some of it was like new scents and new flavor, um, new scents, um, which is kind of the, the selling point of that product. Mm-hmm. And I remember I spent hours having debates over whether the liquid should be pink or whether it should be purple. And I remember I was like, if this is marketing, I don't I'm, want it. I need exactly. a new career. I'm going back to mental health counseling because I cannot oh spend any more time thinking about pink versus purple. Right. Um, and then of course, later I learned that there's a lot more to marketing mm-hmm. than that. That was just kind of like the scope of the projects I was working on. But I will say it was definitely that like, the time thinking about those little creative details, which mm-hmm. actually means so much yes. when you're thinking about like the brand experience and how consumers are perceiving your brands. Mm-hmm. But definitely it was one of those aspects that um, 
I valued less at the time that I was a little bit more frustrated with. Mm-hmm. I agree. I remember us having a conversation because you were so frustrated by it. And when I was interning at L'Oreal, <laughs> I didn't have to deal with that aspect just yet. So then when I started working with them full time, I landed after I did sales, I was in a product development role. And I remember calling Karina like, yo, they talking about this green is too blue and it's too yellow. And I was like, who cares? Just pick a color. Like, pick a color. Let's move on. We, right. Like, let's move on. And I think that that's why we, you know, connect so much because we like those same aspects mm-hmm. of marketing, the actual strategy and what's going on behind the scenes. But like, if you asking us for a color... Baby, just pick a color. Just pick a color. Like, we don't care. Um, but it is important. So what was your favorite? Mm, it was definitely thinking through the overall, um, like, go-to-market strategy. So, mm-hmm. for example, when I was launching new products, it's so much more than just launching a product. Mm-hmm. It's looking at the environment that you're going to launch it in holistically. So, um you know, who is the consumer that's going to use it? And what what else is available in the market for them? What are their price points? What, what scents and colors do they have? Mm-hmm. How does this play into that environment? Like, will this have a competitive advantage? Will it like, get lost in the crowd? So for me, like the go-to-market strategy and thinking about the macro environment and the consumer, mm-hmm. that's where I find like the most excitement. And- so dig a little bit into this because you have a big background in psychology, right? And now you're talking about the go-to-market strategy, the psychology, not the psychology, but the um, the macro environment of the go-to-market strategy. Do you feel that because of the psychology background, that's why you're so drawn to the go-to-market strategy? I think so. Piece of marketing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, so a couple of things. Like working, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're working at a big corporation, working with people is going to be critical. So mm-hmm. on for one, I really enjoy being in roles or working in capacities where um, I have to work with others. And to successfully work with others, you have to like really know who people are and where they're mm-hmm. coming from and like meet them where they are. So, mm-hmm. so I would say that um, from just like a work environment perspective. But the second thing is like, if you wanna develop effective products and effective marketing strategies, you have to truly understand your customer. Like, Mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about like, people talk about like, oh, how old are they? How many children do they have? Do they live in? I'm talking about like, know them. them. Like what is is at the pit of their stomach? What Mm -hmm. keeps them up at night? What is it that they're looking for, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And that is that is the psychology of consumers that's mm-hmm. like understanding how to provide a benefit or a product that's going to that's going to create like i don't want to sound dramatic but it's so true like what you are doing effectively if you're working effectively is you're giving your customer a transformation mm. and the only way that you give your customer a transformation that you give them like a changing experience is if you know who they are right? and like what they're about and what mm-hmm. they're struggling with and what they want. And like, you know, what, what, do, what is it that they think about data? What is their day to day life? So mm-hmm. absolutely. I think the fact that I am like really interested in psychology and can, I can get really obsessed about the customer mm-hmm. makes me more effective at developing strategies that is able to reach them. Mm-hmm. Hey, real quick. It's Tara. 
I want to interrupt this episode to help you with something I hear from my community far too often. I get constant emails, DMs, and messages from e-commerce and product-based founders that are struggling with how to properly market their brands online for growth. Because thus far, they've posted online, they've told their friends and family, but they're not having any luck. So I decided to do something about it, and I put together a free gift for you. It's called the Profitable Marketing Playbook. Inside the playbook, you're going to learn what it takes for your brand to win online, the action steps that you need to take to create marketing campaigns that are going to get you paid. You'll even get access to the same framework that we use with my clients in order to consistently grow their visibility and sales. The playbook also includes a checklist because I know some of y'all love your checklist and inside this checklist it's going to show you what to spend most of your time focused on and it will cover the metrics that you need to monitor for each of your campaigns so you know if you're getting a good return. I know that you're tired of struggling with sales and you're ready to grow your brand so you can finally experience double digit growth. So right now, I want you to go to www.profitablemarketingplaybook.com or scroll down to the show notes now to grab your free copy today. Now, thinking about like the tools that you had in corporate, what were some of the things that you actually did to figure out who that customer was very intimately? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, Small business owners mm-hmm. will ask, or small brand owners will ask, well, what are the things that corporate does? Like, what is the secret sauce? What do they know that mm-hmm. small brands don't know? And what they do, like having worked at big brands, I had access to huge budgets to do consumer research, right? So I like mm-hmm. I had a team always that was available to answer, you know, these questions from me or whatever outstanding questions I had about my customer or to help me close knowledge gaps. Or if I was launching a product to get them to know, to get their reactions and Mm -hmm. get their feedback on whatever it is that I'm launching and make sure that it resonates with them. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, as marketers, um, as business owners, as brand owners, we are selling to people. So you need to make sure that those people that you're trying to reach you know, have a, a positive response to what you're trying to launch. It, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's all about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the mistakes that a lot of small business owners make is that um, they don't make the hero, their customer the hero in the story. So um, mm. working in corporate environments, I had the ability to, and the access to large budgets to do customer research and to understand the types of questions that you need to be asking your customers and how do you um, think about the responses and interpret the responses in order to make effective decisions? So essentially you were outside of the, the large budgets, you still had to develop the questions to ask, right? Mm-hmm. You had to know which questions to ask mm-hmm. in order to get the the feedback that you were seeking, right? Did you do that by putting together a hypothesis and saying, okay, I think that these customers do this, I'm gonna ask this question, or did you do it, did you just put together like a big list of questions and kind of see what happened? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think we we often have hypotheses going into mm-hmm. things, but we need to be careful as we're doing consumer research not to, um, lead our customers yep. 
with our own kind of thoughts and get them to our answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was about asking open-ended questions and like trying, you know, you take into mm-hmm. account like what it is that you're trying to achieve. Um, like if you're launching a new product, you you obviously want to get um, their feedback to that product. Mm-hmm. You also want to get their feedback. You also want to create some benchmarks and understand like, well, what do the alternatives look like, right? Mm-hmm. So you shape your products based on like what it is that you're trying, your questions based around what questions it is that you're trying to answer and, and mm-hmm. what it is that you're trying to achieve in the marketplace. Um, but, you know, it, it was a really about asking um, and soliciting the type of feedback from your customers that was going to help you make the, the right conclusions. I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of times with smaller brands, independent brands, they'll come with a hypothesis. And I asked this question on purpose. Um, they'll come with a hypothesis about what they believe they think the customer wants, right? And oftentimes it's based upon what they actually want, not what the customer Mm -hmm. wants. So I hope you all caught that. Like when you are going into customer research, you want to, yes, it's okay to have a hypothesis, but you have to make sure that your questions are not leading people to a certain response versus you going in and being open to what the responses will be. Yeah, That's a big, big part of doing your customer research and your market research. I mean, I think the other thing I will say is that sometimes, and, and I've learned this through a lot of product launches, sometimes what the customer says they will do and what they actually do is not the same thing. Is not the mm-hmm. same thing. So you also have to like make sure that you're kind of going after some prime questions and some follow-up questions and that you're you're using your own kind of judgment, like understanding the marketplace, mm-hmm. understanding the competitive set, understanding your customer, mm-hmm. and making some assessments um, of your own. But I mean, I think you mentioned um, about smaller business owners, and I, I want to make this caveat because Sometimes small business owners will say, well, I, I don't have a multi-million dollar budget. That was going to be my next question. For the brands that don't have the budget, yeah. what should they do? There are so many ways that you mm-hmm. can go out there and get research mm-hmm. um, and just consumer insights, right? I mean, one, you can talk to friends. Like, talk. make sure that, you're, that the people you're asking questions of might match who your target customer is. So, mm-hmm. for example, um, if you are trying to sell a product for you know, new moms or expecting moms mm-hmm. um, who have um, extra disposable income and they can afford a certain, I don't know, let's say diaper bag. Make sure that the people you're asking questions of match who it is that you're trying to um, speak to. But you can tap into your own resources like your friends and family. Um, but there's also, um, you know, a lot of forums. Like mm. you can go to Reddit there's a Facebook group for basically any interest that exists That's true. right there. Yeah. So go to Facebook groups, like poll people. People are so um, open and willing to talk about themselves mm-hmm. and their experiences. Um, you can do research on things like Quora. Um, you can, something that I think is like an anti- untapped resource is customer reviews. Mm-hmm. So if you are launching, back to my example, like a diaper bag, Go to what you identify as your competitors and read customer reviews. Mm-hmm. And that will leave you a lot of clues. You'll see what it is that customers love mm-hmm. and go to the one star reviews. You're going to see what the customers hate. hate yep. And that's going to give you like insights into like opportunities that are available for you. So, you know, you can, you can leverage your own resources and then 
go to social forums and groups where your target audience is mm -hmm. and ask them questions um, and see where they're leaving traces of information such as customer reviews. And that'll give you some good um, clues as you're kind of de developing your own product and your mm -hmm. own positioning. Mm -hmm. And then what do they do when they read those four customer reviews? What should they be doing with that information? Um, they should be um, tracking that information. Mm -hmm. They should be capturing it somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then they should be, um, after they compile it, they should be uh, interpreting it and mm -hmm. coming through some conclusions, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. key. I've read all of these customer reviews. I interviewed all of these customers. I went on a Facebook moms group and I asked this question um, about what are your key struggles about of carrying all of your baby things around. And mm -hmm. this is the information I got. You should compile that, interpret it, and make a list of like, here are the key themes. Here are the key findings that I'm mm -hmm. coming up with. Um, and jot down, like, what are the, the top three to five themes that you're coming up against? Mm -hmm. um, and use that to think of what the implications are for yourself and for your business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the biggest misconception that entrepreneurs have when it comes to going to market? That they can just put up a website and people are going to come buy their stuff? It doesn't work? Mm, no. <laughs> it don't mm. work? Mm -mm. No. no, yeah. I wish it worked. I wish it worked too, right? I'd be like www.shopify.com. Here, buy my mm, stuff. Mm. But there's, there's a lot more... Um, work that needs to happen up front before mm -hmm. you even put up a website. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, I know that you are expanding into helping entrepreneurs now. Tell us a little bit about that. Like, I know, you know, what you're doing with them, what you're helping them with and what that experience looks like. Yeah. So, um, during COVID, so I've been, I've had a, a, a good run in corporate, um, mm -hmm. and I've had the opportunity to learn a lot. Um, during COVID, I, um, came across a group of mompreneurs who were, who had small businesses um, with the objective of just like making enough money to stay home with their kids. I'm a mom, I have two babies. Mm -hmm. So that really resonated with me and touched my soul. Um, and in this, um, in some conversations with this community, I would sometimes, uh, there was a lot of knowledge sharing and I would occasionally, um, share something that was apparently really helpful to them. Mm -hmm. And I found that tremendously um, just rewarding, mm -hmm. um, kind of taking what, I, what I've learned to really help people and make an impact on their business. So I am starting to um, kind of shift gears a little bit mm -hmm. and going into uh, business coaching, working with um, product entrepreneurs. Um, and it's really about helping them develop the strategies to compete in the market. So like, mm -hmm. how do they define their, um, ideal audience? How do they think about their competitive set? How do mm -hmm. they think about their brand positioning and how do they con convey that in a compelling way to the people that are going to buy from them? And then how do they develop strategies around, you know, pricing, making sure that their products and their assortment make sense. Um, how does their, how do they develop a promotion or marketing strategy that aligns and, and conveys their marketing mess, their brand message? Mm -hmm. Um, 
so that they can win in the marketplace. This is like the upfront work that mm-hmm. really needs to, to be happening. That most people don't do, right? They don't spend the time doing those things. But I mean, again, it, it took me um, an MBA and years of experience working in corporate America, leading big brands to like get to a place where I've learned this stuff. So, you know, I think it's understandable. Um, but ultimately I want to, I want to help people to get closer to what they're trying to, um, to where they're trying to be Mm. financially and from a time independence perspective. I love that. Um, can you talk to us a little bit more about how to use psychology in the marketing, right? Because many people who are starting these brands, they're not trained like you in psychology, classical psychology. So what are some things that um, brand owners, founders can do to incorporate the usage of psychology in their marketing? Yeah, I would say it's about empathy, and putting yourself in the mind of your customer and approach your customer with deep curiosity. Mm. So for example, I've worked with some clients and um, I've given them a list of like starter questions. Here are some Mm. questions that you might want to ask your customer. Mm -hmm. But it's about taking those questions and asking like the follow-up questions, having like curiosity about what your customer is like really hungry for, what it is that they want, mm-hmm. um, and putting yourself in the mind and um, the experience and the life of your customer. So for example, um, I had a conversation recently with somebody who was launching um, a baby um, attire business, baby mm-hmm. clothing, for Um, with African prints. Mm -hmm. And the idea was that, you know, uh, parents feel a lot of pride over the African roots and they want to display that to the community and they want to wear that out um, in some of their best events and so Mm -hmm. on and so forth. So I'm talking to her and I ask her around what she's launching, what her Mm -hmm. products are launching. And she tells me that she is starting to launch that she's going to launch um baby onesies and pajamas Mm -hmm. and the reason that she's doing that is um, because those items have higher margins okay so i'm so i'm thinking about it and i'm putting myself in the mind of this parent Mm -hmm. who has deep pride about their heritage and their culture and they want to put that on display when they're going out Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking if i were that parent and I want to I want to put that on display. How is pajamas that nobody's going to see right. going to meet that need for me? Right. And so I challenged her and I said, "Hey, let's let's talk about your customer a little bit. Put mm-hmm. yourself in their mind, mm-hmm. in their eyes. They feel this this deep pride mm-hmm. around their culture. How do you think that wearing pajamas that nobody's going to see?" going to help them mm-hmm. and she was like oh i guess it's not i selected this product because there's higher margins mm. and i was like exactly you're making choices based on 
you mm-hmm. and your business, not on your customer. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the customer is the ultimate decision maker. Mm-hmm. And they make their decisions with their wallets. Exactly. If they ain't paid for it yet, they ain't made a decision. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. The cha-ching tells you how they feel about you. Yes. Loud and clear. Um, and so based off all that conversation, she decided to change the products that she's selling to go for um, products that their kids can wear out. Mm. Um but again, to your question about like, how do you use psychology to drive your business? It's empathy. Don't, mm-hmm. don't make your business decisions should be based on like deep empathy and understanding of mm-hmm. your customer and what it is that they want. And yeah. if you're not rooted in that, if you're not grounded in that, you're going to make a lot of really poor decisions. Mm-hmm. So much, right? So much to unpack there. So while she was making a decision based purely off of profitability, she neglected her customer, right? Mm-hmm. And so you want to make sure that there's a balance because I'm really big on making sure that your brand is profitable, but you also have to make sure that you are being empathetic. I love the way that you said that to the customer and ensuring that you're meeting their needs first, right? Mm-hmm. Because she would have put out these onesies and I mean, she could have made some sales, but she probably wouldn't be as successful as she is now, That's right? right. So. That's right. Um, I'm shifting gears here a little bit. I want to talk about entrepreneurship. How has it been? Um, entrepreneurship is an exciting roller coaster. I was about to say, you lying. Of a journey. <laughs> entrepreneurship is an exciting roller coaster of a journey. Okay. Um, I can, I can, I can take that. It's a marathon. Uh-huh. Not a sprint. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's really about ha- having tenacity and accountability for yourself because yes. no one is holding you accountable but you. So, yes. like, you have to really be disciplined and understand, like, okay, what is it that I'm trying to work for? Mm-hmm. How do I break that down into digestible chunks? Mm-hmm. How do I hold myself accountable for it? Because no one is doing that but me. Mm-hmm. But, like, also... Uh, this is where psychology comes in, like knowing yourself and reading yourself and being in tune. Like mm. I'll say in the last two weeks, I've had a, a pretty, pretty big slowdown because I was like running, 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 running. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm doing this entrepreneur thing. Yeah. And then I started to crash and my mm. body was like still telling me you're crashing. And I was like, but I got to go. Mm-hmm. I got things to do. And then and then I crashed mm-hmm. um, and I heard my body. And I was like, we're going to just be easy for a couple of weeks. Right. Um, And I'm recharging and re-energizing. But um, that's where the roller coaster part of it comes in Mm -hmm. because it is exciting, right? Mm -hmm. To to start something that you're trying to build for yourself. But, um, you know, uh, success is never final and um, it's not built overnight. So Mm -hmm. it's about having that endurance and stamina and accountability um, and pacing yourself with realistic but ambitious ambitious um goals and expectations Mm -hmm. and honoring yourself when your body is telling you right because as entrepreneurs we always want to push but you must honor when your body is telling you to take a break Mm -hmm. right um along those lines i would love to know if there's any things that you have 
that you have taken from corporate that you are incorporating into your entrepreneurship journey and or taken from our MBA experience that you are incorporating into your entrepreneurship journey? Yeah, I would say um, equally in corporate as in now and honestly in all areas of my life. Um, this this entrepreneurship can be a lonely journey, but mm. it should not be. Yes, I agree. You should surround yourself with community mm-hmm. and with support and with mentors and people who are a few steps ahead of you and can help kind of speed up your track. Mm-hmm. So, you know, making sure that you are work connected to people who are going through a similar experience, mm-hmm. who can share their insights, who you can have camaraderie with but also making the right investments in yourself mm. um, and working with people who can provide that outside perspective to move your business forward. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's easy to say, oh, well, I can't, I can't spend that on an, you know, on a, you know, on a coach or on a mentor mm-hmm. or on this program that I want to do. But truly what you should be thinking is I can't, I can't afford not, not to. to. Right. Yep. Because the longer you're spinning in place, trying to figure things out on your own, mm-hmm. um, the more money you're leaving on the table because you're not developing the right strat- marketing and business and sales strategies, or you're just mm-hmm. not getting that outside perspective. And, and I will say, um, kind of going to your question, that that's exactly how I had to manage a new experience you know, in business school and a new experience in corporate America, making mm-hmm. sure that I had the right peers and support and mm-hmm. partnership, that I had people that I can bounce ideas off of but also like having the right mentors who can guide me throughout my career and the choices that I was making. Right, right. All right, so this would not be a guest episode without me asking this question. Mm -hmm. So you know we focus on marketing money and mindset. Mm -hmm. And I would love for you to rate on a scale of one to 10 where you sit on each of those. So I'm gonna say the word and you Mm. tell me and then we'll talk about it. Wait, oh gosh, that's hard. Okay, hold on. One to 10, where do I sit? Okay, marketing. You know, I'm gonna, gosh, it's just, I feel like you're always learning. There's always Mm -hmm. so much to learn. I'm gonna give myself an eight and a half. Are you thinking about it from the standpoint of marketing your? Like your business now? Oh, that's a good question. Or how are you thinking? How are you thinking about it? That's what I'm asking. I'm thinking about it in terms of um, marketing skills and expertise. Now you like a fifteen, so I'm talking about like how you market your business because you do. I get it, Karina, but like when it comes to products, honestly, you're one of the best to ever do it. So like, let's not even play that, right? Like, let's not do that. I'm all right. So I want you to think about it from the standpoint because you're stepping into this new journey. And I will say this: I struggled with marketing my business when I started because we're so good at product marketing, Uh, right? mm -hmm. So we've been so focused on consumer marketing, Mm -hmm. product marketing, building brands. When it comes to us building our business, I struggled. I didn't have a marketing strategy for the first year and a half, Mm -hmm. you know, and full-time entrepreneurship. So we about to get to it. So that's what I want to hear from you. Like from an entrepreneurship standpoint, where do you sit on marketing? Um, I'm going to say a six or seven. Okay. Give me one. Six or six. I need a... I'm going to go six. Okay. Um, money. As an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. I'm going to go five. 
Okay. And then mindset. I'm going to go eight. Okay. So the marketing, what do you need to get you from the six to like a nine or a 10? I'm pretty, this is um, a new journey for me. Mm -hmm. So I think it is about honestly taking the time to start to strategize exactly where I want to play. I kind of feel like I've been like dipping my toe Mm -hmm. Um, and I've worked with some clients and kind of like getting a taste for where it is that I can create the most value and really make an impact with people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's about kind of finalizing, finalizing that point of view for myself. Like, where do I want to play? Like, where do I think I can really win Mm -hmm. and be different? And, um, you know, uh, really impact people mm-hmm. and then developing like a pretty robust marketing plan around it. There's also time. There's also like the execution piece. Girl, I hate it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I hate it. I mean, yeah. we're here, right? Like mm-hmm. this is, this was an effort. I imagine. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's interesting cause I think in my mind, I have all of the pieces mm-hmm. from a marketing perspective, like how I will execute it once I finalize like where I want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but the execution of it is mm-hmm. what's going to take, um, the most time. I think that there's, there's elements of it that I know are going to be obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's, executing in a way that's consistent Mm -hmm. um, and delivering the message that I want to continue to delivering and and developing a plan out in advance. Right. So I think it's more about taking the time to sit down and and create that, that strategy and putting it on paper Mm -hmm. well in advance. Got it. Do you hate execution? Do I hate execution? I mean, it's really interesting because as an entrepreneur, you know, you're so excited about all this stuff that Girl, you're doing. Get a couple more months under your belt. You're going to be like, Tara, who, who can I hire to do this for me? Because I'm not, yeah. Yeah, maybe um, a couple virtual assistants to, mm-hmm. to help on that end. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely need a team. Yes, <laughs> yes. All right, about the money. What do you need to get you from that five to a nine or a ten? Yeah, um, I think... Um, so I'm actually going to be launching, um, my first big launch in the next couple of months, nice. um, my, uh, group coaching program. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, getting out there with my kind of signature offers, mm-hmm. um, is going to be what takes me in the right direction. Okay. And then mindset, what did you say for mindset? I said eight. Eight. That's good. Mm-hmm. We could get you over to the nine, ten. Um, you know, so I, I gave myself an eight because um, I think that I'm overall, I'm a pretty like positive person. I have a lot of tenacity. Like mm-hmm. once I decide something's happening, that shit is done. It, like, yes, it, like, we share that. Yes. Yep. <laughs> um, and I also like I have a lot of self-awareness um, where I know um, like I can listen to myself. And when I'm having moments of imposter syndrome, I can like talk to my, I can recognize those feelings mm-hmm. and I can like address them within myself. Um, so that self-awareness definitely helps. But uh, I would say what would bring me to the end, um, just m- continued um, team mm-hmm. and moral support mm-hmm. to, and, and I think like once I start executing some more of these things that I can see like the results coming in, mm-hmm. you know, that's always like a big push. Right, right. Um, do I need to call you more? Mm, no, you call me lots. Girl. Okay. 
because you know I got you. <laughs> All right. So last question. So one of the things that I do every year is I have a word of the year, a theme, right? So this year, my word is elevation. Mm-hmm. A lot of things are going up a notch as far as my marketing is concerned, as far as how I show up, as far as how I serve my clients and my students inside my program. And I've had it, you know, even before we got into the new year, I've had this word on my mind. It just kind of came up and I'm like, oh, that's my word for the new year. That's a nice right? word, elevation. Elevation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's very fitting. So I would love to know, you know, first of all, do you do a word for the year? Um, I have... Not a word for the year, but I have like things that I know I'm working on for the year. Okay. So I want to know off the top, what would be your word for the year or things that you're working towards for the year? I would say my word for the year would be stamina. Mm. Um, Because, you know, um, particularly the beginning of entrepreneurship, getting things off the ground. Mm -hmm. Um takes a lot of like mental um, energy and wherewithal and capacity and time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have two young kids. I have a full-time corporate job. So it's about continuing to push myself in a healthy way Mm -hmm. um, with stamina to continue to like achieve my entrepreneurial goals Um, and making sure that everything stays balanced. My kids are good. My husband's taking care of. I'm I'm still killing it at my job and I'm mm-hmm. serving my clients the way that I, I want to serve them. Awesome. And I will tell you when to sit down when you need to sit down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Sometimes I need somebody to tell yes, me. Yes. Both of us though. Ease both up. of us though. Yes. So I appreciate you being here on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you all for tuning in. Karina, let us know where people can find you. Um, and we'll make sure to have all of this information in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me on um, Instagram. Um, I'll, I'll give you my address so you can put in the, okay. in the show notes. Um, you can find me on Clubhouse. I spend a lot of time oh, there. Oh, yeah. She be on Clubhouse. Club, Clubhousing? Is that I what you I love said? Clubhouse. I'm not... I might be over there one day just to join her, <laughs> just because she's my friend. But yeah, she's always like, you should get on Clubhouse. You should. I'm like, no. <laughs> um, and of course, if anyone wants to reach me, they can email me as well. And I'll give you that okay. information. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you all for tuning in for this episode. And I will see you on the next one. Bye.